0: The Tom Woods Show, episode 1461.
1: Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, if you're
0: trying to convince people of libertarian ideas and you're just not getting anywhere, quit arguing and just hand them a copy of Muir Madison's new book, The Nonviolent Zone. For the month of August, buy one, get two free over at nonviolentzone.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. Absolutely delighted to have Kyle Mann with us. He is editor-in-chief of The Babylon Bee. I know I promised this episode a couple days ago, but I forgot about the debate episodes where we analyze the presidential debates and those have to be, those are time-sensitive, those have to be aired immediately. But better late than never with Kyle. The site, of course, is BabylonB.com. You've probably seen headlines of theirs. It's a satirical site, hysterical, wonderful, makes such excellent points just in pithy headlines. You've probably seen them on Facebook in particular where they get uh, quite a bit of engagement. So there's a there's a story behind it, and we're going to be talking about that today. Kyle, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am a huge fan of yours, and I see most of your material, I think like most people, on Facebook, and I see the headlines. Sometimes the headline is all I need to see, but really, you gotta, you know, come on, you guys are doing hard work. You should click through and and take a look. But I'd like to know, first of all, how you would describe what it is you do, and secondly, how it got started.
1: Yeah, we do Christian news satire. So we try to poke fun of uh, current events, the church, theology, uh, pretty much anything. But we try to do it, you know, with a from a worldview that's consistent with uh, the Bible, with consistent with Christian beliefs, you know, which really informs how we how we tackle satire and humor. This was la- The site was launched in March 2016 by my friend uh, Adam Ford, and he, you know, he was a fan of sites like The Onion, but most humor and most satire being done in that space was being done from such a from a place that was. Really, not friendly to Christian beliefs and not friendly to a, a worldview that that's consistent with the Bible. So he wanted to do something where we could communicate truth in a format that wasn't really being done at the at the level that we wanted to see.
0: I've got so many things i want that I'm so curious about. The first thing I want to mention is that well, I eventually I want to get to talking about the Facebook algorithm and the struggles that are associated with that. I mean yeah. sometimes you have to tailor your message just to make sure that it gets an audience. So I do want to get to that. But I can't help mentioning, first of all, that most of what I see from you guys is political satire. And I'm curious to know how many times has it been that Snopes – has fact-checked what is obviously a satirical article. The one I remember is the one about CNN purchasing an industrial-sized washing machine to spin the news. And Snopes solemnly informed us that the news network, in fact, had no such machine. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Snopes. I, I thought that was an actual thing. That, that you First of all, when that first happened, you must have been flabbergasted.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Snopes has fact-checked us I think it's over three dozen times. I mean, it's 30. That's it's unbelievable. 30. <laughs> they've got a good 30 or 40. Someone was pointed. Someone claimed that uh, I was reading an article the other day, and they said that Snopes has fact-checked us uh, some 20 times or so in the past year or two, and they've fact-checked The Onion uh, only twice. And so I went and searched on Snopes' website, and it looked like that. It looked like that was true. So uh, I don't know why we get so many. I don't know why we're fact checked so disproportionate to uh, everybody else because the onions got, you know, 10 times the reach we do. So what's your theory?
0: Why do you think?
1: Um, well, there, there's a few elements. I mean, obviously, we're a little. You know we're we're less lesser known than like some someone like the Onion you know so maybe the Onion has the recognition where people know right away but 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 even that doesn't hold too much water because I know I I've talked to people who have been fooled by the Onion you know even recently and so you would think that you would think that they would be fact checked more so I, I mean that's part of it uh, you know. But, it's but, got to
0: be a bias. I mean, I'm not the sort of person who looks for a conspiracy everywhere. But for heaven's sake, right. the article about the washing machine, you can't literally spin the news, <laughs> right? That's not a literal thing you can do. So there's no possible way that that story could have been true. Yes. That, that, that anyone – I mean, it makes you think Snopes must be run by a bot or something because a
1: human <laughs> being couldn't possibly have sat down and written that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it definitely comes off like – you know, you're telling a joke at a party and and this guy pops up and says, hey, actually, that's not true. You know, a a rabbi (laughs) and a priest and a minister did not walk into a bar together, you know, and you're just like, what? In fact, that's
0: exceedingly rare. You almost never see that happen.
1: (laughs) The chances of that are very small. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so that, so I want to say, you know, I give, give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, maybe it's just people aren't familiar with the name and so it gets fact checked more but when you read the when you read the language in the fact checks they're you know they'll call us satire but they'll call us satire in like scare quotes you know uh, and then and then they'll even call us fake news throughout the article and it's like we're very clearly satire you know things right. like we we did a piece where uh, one of the prosperity gospel preachers created a pulpit out of $100 bills and they fact-checked it, you know, and it's like, oh my, gosh. like who's sitting around like thinking this is real, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. So it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> that,
0: that's crazy. All right. So it's, I think it's just part of the general left-wing impulse to just suck all the fun out of everything. Like everything has now actually
1: this didn't, Oh my. Yeah. And, and, and when you read the, when you read the fact checks, they're so, you know they'll go through our whole article and they'll like fact check the details and stuff yeah you know yeah. and then they'll and then and then they'll kind of launch into an opinion piece about you know it, let's say we're let's say we're making fun of ocasio cortez or or somebody you know they'll they'll go through and and say you know and, and then defend her position like as though it's an opinion piece within the fact check it's really strange
0: yeah it 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 is it is and in fact i just um i was just looking at an old statement from hillary clinton where she said that women are the worst victims of war because, after all, they lose their husbands and sons and whatever in in the war. But it sort of makes you wonder, Okay, but wouldn't it be worse to be the husbands and the sons who are dead now? I mean, like, why would you – like? why are we even making this into a competition in the first place is is bizarre enough. But Snopes fact-checked that and said, well, actually, the UN says that women are the worst victims of war. Like that proves anything. It's – they can't help themselves.
1: Right, a lot – a lot of the bias isn't just, you know, the fact check true or false, but it's what they choose to fact check. Right. You know, uh, like why would you fact check this and not that, you know? And so, yeah.
0: Now tell me about how you would describe your politics.
1: Um, so the Babylon B itself, you know, we try to poke fun at all sides and I think that has gotten us a little bit of a following within libertarian land because, you know, libertarians like to make fun of the left and the right on certain things. So personally, I, I lean more libertarian than conservative, but, um, but we, we, we have writers from, from different sides of the spectrum.
0: Given that you, you began uh, with a primarily Christian emphasis, do you find that there is um, any section of, of your Christian audience that's left cold by libertarian style commentary and satire?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, like Christianity, I, I think, especially in America, it, it leans very conservative a lot. Uh, depending on the denomination and, and stuff, but um, yeah, you, you get a lot of conservatives. So especially topics like war, you know, or when we do something that more deconstructs the whole political process, we do something that just makes fun of all politicians. You know, you do get some pushback. Oh, especially when we make fun of Trump, um, you get a lot of people within evangelicalism who are big fans of Trump and and don't like that.
0: Yeah, it's too bad that they can't can't at least have a sense of humor. Because I, I even if my folks get made fun of, sometimes if it's a good one, I say, well, you know, that is kind of a good one. <laughs> they did kind of get it. <laughs> well, so. and
1: you know, libertarians are the best at memes and stuff. So you know, they, they tend to laugh at themselves when uh, when we make fun of them.
0: Is there one particular, maybe a handful of pieces that went just shockingly viral that just got the biggest audience of all? What were they?
1: are uh, very the I think the most viewed article on our site for a long time was uh, we did a piece on Joel Osteen uh, the preacher who uh, r- right after the floods in Houston we said that he f- he uh, sailed his yacht around <laughs> flooded Houston uh, passing <laughs> out copies of uh, copies of his book <laughs> <Okay>. to, uh, <laughs> to survivors and uh,
0: <laughs> did S- Snopes didn't fact check that one I think they did are, are you kidding Are you I kidding think me they did. yeah. That, that's unbelievable. I mean, the, these. I mean, the people that Snopes appeals to must look. You're you're a, a nice Christian young man. I'm a more uh, jaded Christian, let's say. Uh, <laughs> you know, who's uh, let's say more um, less courteous sometimes. You would have to be dealing with blockheads of just the most astonishing proportions to to think that you would need to tell people he didn't actually sail his yacht around. <laughs> handing out copies of his book to people in a disaster area. I, it, just, it just boggles my mind. Now, are, do most people consume your content the way I do, namely through Facebook?
1: Yeah, Facebook is our number one traffic driver.
0: Okay, okay. Um, and, and, of course, they're, they're clicking through and landing on your website. Now, I, this is just a weird, strange, idiosyncratic characteristic of mine. But I'm always curious about how people who do something like what you're doing – how you make a living. Now, I don't know if this is your full-time gig or not, or if it supports you in any way, but what kind of time commitment are you talking about with this?
1: Uh, you know, it really depends. I, I, it, For me, it's full-time now. Um, I I was writing for the site part-time for a couple years, and I would just, I was working in the construction industry, and I would fire off emails. You know, I'd, I'd write three or four articles, send them in, and then go to work. And uh, just a, a little over a year ago, I managed to quit and the, the founder of my old site. And uh, and so I was able to take over uh, and work for the new owner as, as editor-in-chief now.
0: How are you able to monetize a site like this? I'm sorry to get into the weeds of stuff like this. Maybe you feel uncomfortable yeah, about no, it. No, no, if no, so, fine. I apologize, but I'm very, very curious about this.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, for the first two years, it was entirely advertisement funded. So stuff like you're talking about clicking from Facebook, you know, we generated traffic that way. We were using Google ads we still have Google ads and stuff. but uh, just recently we launched a subscription service uh, similar to how a lot of sites are doing it now where people can pay to remove ads. They get a little bonus section in our podcast. You know that kind of it would offer a little some benefits, but basically just giving people the opportunity to support us so that we can be less dependent on facebook and and social media
0: and that's been working out pretty well so far.
1: Oh, yeah, we've been blown away by the support from our fans. It's been it's been crazy. We only launched it uh, a few months ago.
0: Wow! Now, are you using a platform like Patreon, or are you just going through your website?
1: No, you know, we we thought about doing Patreon, but um, you know, we wanted to kind of control it as best we could. You've always kind of got to go through third parties because of payment and stuff. But we're uh, we we host it entirely on our site. Do
0: you ever worry about being deplatformed?
1: Oh yeah, that's one of the main that's one of the main concerns we have, um, and you know, and then that goes along with the Snopes fact check issue because for a long time Facebook was using Snopes as their fact check source. So something like the the article about Joel Osteen, you know, we reshared it after Snopes fact checked it. And then Facebook, you know, they squash the post. And then anybody who sees it in their feed gets a, you know, a big message underneath it, like, you know, you're sharing fake news or this is this has been determined to be false by Snopes. Um, <laughs> you know, so stuff like, oh, and, and, and the CNN washing machine story, we got threatened with deplatforming, demonetization by Facebook. You know, we got a message from Facebook saying you're sharing fake news. You know, if you continue, your your page will be taken down because Snopes fact checked that CNN washing machine piece. So it's always a concern of ours.
0: Yeah, so obviously if you accumulate a bunch of strikes, let's say, at the hands of Snopes, then this is going to kind of get you. Now, you use the past tense. Are they no longer using Snopes?
1: Well, Facebook broke their official relationship with Snopes for using them as a fact checker. But I think they're using – I think Facebook is using uh, APs. I think they're using the Associated Press's fact check now. Okay. Um, But but we get fact checked by them too, so (laughs) – It doesn't really help that they switched away from Snopes.
0: It's just ridiculous. Uh, How many people do you have um, writing for you and working for you?
1: Uh, It's a pretty lean operation. I mean, we just hired our second employee. Uh, We hired Ethan Nicole, who's our creative director and does a lot of our photoshops. We hired him a couple months ago, uh, full time. And uh, other than that, I mean, it's me and him. We have a few part-time writers who send in... uh, send in headline ideas and and, uh, and write articles and stuff. But so probably all in all, there's, I don't know, five, six, seven writers.
0: Okay, now I want to talk about the Facebook algorithm and how it influences the kinds of Well, first of all, the material that people wind up seeing and then secondarily, the kind of material you wind up putting out in the first place. So first of all, try to describe, it's a mysterious thing because Facebook won't really fully disclose exactly how it works, but we can, based on our own experiences, sort of intuit how it must work. Uh, Can you describe, first of all, what we mean when we say the Facebook algorithm?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, years ago, Facebook switched from just having a normal newsfeed where you see everything that you follow in, in chronological order. Um, they switched from that to this, you know, mysterious enigmatic algorithm that determines what you want to see and then puts it on your feed. Um, and they're always tweaking it. So, and, and and they'll make announcements like, you know, you know, now, now pages will show up less in your feed and now you're going to see more stuff from your friends or right. Okay. Now, for, now you don't want to see stuff from your friends. Now you want to see stuff from your groups, you know, <laughs> and every time they make a change, all of us, uh, publications are, are scrambling to try to fight the algorithm and figure out how we can get our content in front of eyes.
0: So now, yeah, talk to me about exactly how different factors play into this. I mean, first of all, I have read, I think I was, I think I just actually today, just today I followed you on Twitter and I was looking at some of your recent tweets and you were talking about this very issue. And you were saying that it's just part of the way the algorithm works. If we do political satire, it just gets a lot more reach than if we do the satire on on church issues. Yeah, yeah. So that definitely influences you.
1: Yeah, it's shaping – You know, social media is shaping the kind of content we see. Because you have to craft your content if you want anybody to read it, you know. Uh, yeah, Facebook just, I, I don't know when which algorithm change this was, but recently they changed the algorithm and announced that uh, stuff that got a lot of engagement was going to, to show up more. So things that get likes and shares and comments uh, get shared. So, of course, a hot topic uh, political issue that everybody's talking about, you know, whatever the whatever the day's hot button issue is, If you share a post like that, you're going to get shares just from people who agree with you and, you know, want to make the same point that your satire piece is making and they share it, you know, and then it shows up more and more and more. And it's just a big snowball. Whereas if you do something that's more of a a small joke about the church or whatever, uh, Facebook basically sees that not maybe people are laughing at it, but they're not really sharing it or or commenting. Um, But Facebook just buries it because and we see it like. It, a post will be doing pretty well with shares or you know, whatever metrics you want to look at. But then if it, if it doesn't take off like a home run, it just dies. It just dies on the vine because Facebook's not showing it to any more people on their feeds.
0: Right, right, right. So that's a, that's a key thing. Uh, and that's why, by the way, people make fun of me that I like my own posts when I post on <laughs> my page. But I, that's because every little like you know, helps you marginally. And so you might as well like your own posts because that's you're competing against every single Facebook post in the world. Yeah. so yeah, every advantage you can get you you want to get right. Now, what else though, what else do you have to bear in mind? it's It's not just let's say the subject matter. It's also things like the embedded photo, if there's too much text yeah. on it. like what are the other factors you have to bear in mind?
1: Well, there, there's so many, and we don't even know we don't even know what Facebook, you know is considering with each post. But I, I know like if I post something that sounds that has a word in it, like, let's say, let's say I make a joke about minimum wage and I see something like uh, you know twelve dollars an hour in the, in the headline. Facebook thinks that I'm posting a job offer. Oh. and then they tell me, you know, oh you, you should post this as a job offer instead of as a uh, instead of as a regular post. And then I'm like, no, you know, and I, I have to tell Facebook, no, this is not a job offer, this is not a job offer. And you know, and then the post will go up and you get this, you know, I don't know. But I get the sense that it's not really uh, the Facebook really isn't showing it to that many people because they yeah,
0: they, I I think so. Yeah. I think because it, it's because deep down they don't believe you. Right. They think no, that really is a job offer, and most people aren't going to want to see this. So we're going to limit exactly the uh, scope of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it kills. You know, it, we we want to do a lot of parodies of clickbait. You know, you get those posts that are like you won't believe what happens next. Yeah, right. And we've done pieces like this.
0: Or we number seven will really surprise you. Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing.
1: And obviously, those kind of posts. And not a lot of people like those clickbait things. But as a parody of them, they can be pretty funny. We did one way back where it was like, uh, you know, this man jumped in front of a freight, uh, freight train, and uh, and declared, you know, words of victory over the freight train. You know, you won't believe what happened next. And uh, you know, obviously, the joke is that he gets flattened <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> we sh- when we first shared it, you know years ago before Facebook had a ton of these little stipulations in the algorithm, it did really well on our page. and we we reshared it recently, and I think it was, I mean, our average post probably gets a few thousand likes and and say a thousand shares. Well, recently, you know we should reshare that one and it gets it gets twenty likes or something, you know and and, and three shares. And you absolutely know that Facebook is, (laughs) you know, you're sharing clickbait. So it's really killing comedy. It's really killing all the all the ways that we can approach uh, comedy creatively. Yeah,
0: because. Here you are trying to parody something that annoys people, and Facebook just thinks it's another case of something that annoys people. Right. So you can't, you can't do comedy, but it's, it's, very, it's very annoying. Yes. I want to read a question that was submitted. I mean basically I've been more or less drawing from questions submitted by folks in my supporting listeners group because when I told them you were coming on, they couldn't have been happier. Somebody says this. Do he and his writers find it tedious to come up with funny headlines and articles constantly? I saw a talk with the founder of The Onion once, and he went on and on about how much labor it is to come up with funny stuff all the time that hits the right satirical mark. He made the job sound more like drudgery than fun, wondering if the bee experiences the same thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, comedy is work, and for sure, I, I agree with that to some extent. Um, and people don't realize how much waste you write when you're writing comedy because you do write, you know, you may write a hundred headlines before you come up with one that uh, that really hits the right angle. And there's a lot of considerations, you know, that we have to that we have to take into account when we're writing something. You know, so we'll get people that'll email us a headline idea and it's like, here, this is perfect, you should run this. You know, but what they don't see is the is, is all the work that goes in, you know, all all the editing work and all the culling and all the 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 fine-tuning that goes so there is some work there i think we i think we still have a ton of fun and i I wouldn't say it's it's drudgery (laughs) because to to be able to look at you know wake up in the morning and i've got no ideas for what we're going to publish today and then you look at the news and you come up with a perfect parody of it and and people are laughing you know that's that's rewarding
0: All right, folks, let me take a minute to talk to you about strategy when you're trying to persuade people of libertarian ideas. We say, oh, go out and convince people. And sometimes they're just not listening. So an approach I've taken is I say, I'll read a book that you recommend for me if you read a book that I recommend for you. And so, for example, an easy way to do this is to hand them a copy of Muir Madison's book, The Nonviolent Zone. So in about 100 pages, it basically explains how free enterprise could replace – Well, every governmental function you can think of and do it better. Now, it usually costs 10 smackers for this book, but till the end of August, that is 2019, you get three for that price at nonviolentzone.com. So you order one book and you get three. You order 10, you get 30. So, you know, say you hand out 30 books, maybe you persuade one person to come around to our side. That's worth 100 smackers. And the other 29 people are also learning something. That's a win too. So nonviolentzone.com is the website to pick up The Nonviolent Zone, the book. Books can be shipped within the U.S. only. So go check it out at nonviolentzone.com. Now, we've joked about some articles you've done where you would have to be, I mean, really, you would have to be in a coma almost, not to understand that it's satire. But surely there must be cases where you publish something and people are taking it seriously. Uh, Are there any particularly memorable examples of that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and again, I don't really begrudge Snopes for the fact check itself. Usually, obviously, the fringe cases where they do something that is obviously satire. But uh, you know, there's ones where, that we do that are a little drier, and I get the I get why people might be fooled. Um, the most memorable example is when we made a we made a, a joke about um, uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick. Who was a, a popular young pastor out in uh, North Carolina, I think, and we said that he he signed a contract for a, a six-year, you know, 120 million dollar contract to go to another church, to go to Joel Osteen's church, and uh, you know, we, we tried to make it so over the top because, you know, I think we copied the exact terms of uh, LeBron James's deal when he went to Miami, you know, <laughs> okay. so that was so we were trying to make a a, a parallel between you know, celebrity pastors and celebrity sports stars, you know? So we do this piece and then, and it got so out of control. It was on, it was like on the local news in North Carolina, you know, it was on the news in Houston. Uh, Lakewood church came out and issued a statement about it. And then uh, Stephen Furtick went on his, went on his social media and, 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 you know, dispelled the rumors that he was going to accept $120 million to go to Lakewood you know, so that's something where the the joke is so dry in the headline, right? It's just, you know, he accepts six year, $120 million contract. And so you you kind of have to have an understanding of those numbers to really, you know, and the fact that we're parodying a sports, a famous sports contract. And if you didn't, if you missed that, you might, you might believe it.
0: I'm curious about how you came up with the title. I mean, I, I know you, I don't know. Were you one of the original people?
1: I, I was writing from the site from day one, but, um, but I did not, I was not a, a founder.
0: Okay, so uh, how, how did whoever came up with the title come up with the the name for the Babylon B? Yeah,
1: the, you know, uh, Adam was uh, our founder. Adam was considering a bunch of things. He was considering something drier, like uh, you know, Christian News, or you know, just something that was a real generic uh, name. Babylon B really hit the right note, I think, in terms of you know, it, it sounds satirical. Um, B was kind of the name for a newspaper, and then Babylon, uh, you know, within. The Bible, obviously, Babylon was where Israel was in captivity and in exile, and so that's kind of the idea: is that we want it to come off like uh, like re- reports from Babylon, you know, reports from the Church in exile in America. <laughs> I think is the idea.
0: Right, right, right. Now, um, given that you started off uh, primarily doing Christian satire, what was it precisely that you saw in the Christian world or among evangelicals that you thought needed satirical treatment?
1: Yeah, uh, in common topics that we hit a lot early on, and we still hit are um, the prosperity gospel um, was a big one. You know, I, I think for us that was one of our big, and is one of our big targets.
0: You mentioned a couple names there, but can you tell people what that actually is?
1: Yeah, yeah. The prosperity gospel is a theology that uh, basically says if you do the right things, if you declare victory, if you have a positive attitude, that God will give you. Material blessings, material wealth, you know, um, which is not accurate with what the Bible says about material wealth and blessings. So, guys like Joel Osteen and, and Benny Hinn and uh, Creflo Dollar, those guys teach what's called a prosperity gospel or a word of faith gospel. You, you know, you can speak your prosperity into existence, is the basic idea. It's basically positive thinking, motivational speaking stuff, but they just kind of sprinkle. Biblical texts on top of it. So that was one of the big things. Another one was like uh, the mega church movement, you know, this kind of where we have such a consumerism-driven mentality in our churches, because people don't people don't go to church to worship God anymore. They go to church to worship themselves. You know, they go to church for an experience. And so we made we made fun of a lot of the churches that kind of had a bunch of attractions. You know, we'd we'd say churches introduced like water slide baptismals and roller coasters and all that stuff to try to keep their members entertained. So we made fun of that movement a lot, I think, early on.
0: I understand you guys recently started a podcast. Yeah. So that's something new for you guys. If you had, you know, a gigantic budget, what would be other things that you might want to either branch into or do more of? What would be on your wish list?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much. Uh, Video is obviously one that we've talked about a lot. We, we were kind of glad we waited on video because everybody was shifting to video because of a Facebook algorithm change. Right. You know, <laughs> and people spent you know, all these newspapers spent millions of dollars pivoting to video because Facebook said, you know, we're going to promote video. And then that turned out to be a flop and Facebook went back on it. And then <laughs> and all these organizations were stuck high and dry, having invested millions in video. So uh, we're glad that we've waited on that a bit. And and video has its own unique challenges, but uh, that's something that we're looking at. So, yeah, that, that would be one area. Uh, we, we wrote a book uh, a year ago, and uh, we'll, we're probably going to be looking at some other book opportunities also.
0: What was that book? I wasn't aware of it.
1: We wrote a book called How to Be a Perfect Christian. It got uh, published with Waterbrook Multnomah a little over a year ago, and uh, it was a fun experience for us. And and we're going to probably be looking at doing a, a sequel at some point here.
0: I'm over at babylonb.com and I absolutely love the box you you use to get people to sign up for your email list. Fake news you can trust delivered <laughs> straight to your inbox. Yes. Beautiful. See cuz normally when I advise people about uh, building an email list I say well you got to give something away, give them an ebook or a video or whatever. But that line alone, I make an exception for yours cuz that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Fake news you can trust delivered straight to your inbox is is that kind of your backup plan in case of deplatforming i mean building an email list trying to build something that's independent of these um outlets
1: absolutely i mean everything you're running through is every service you run through you have to run through a third party so even an email list you know we might own the email list but we're you know we're using a mail provider um so it's kind of frightening when you look at where big tech is politically and then how much control they have over your access to your readers you know so so for us, yeah, as independent as we can be, you know, that the, the better. Um, so yeah, subscription service, uh, emphasizing the newsletter is another big one. So yeah, we have we have a lot of ways that we're trying to get around social as best we can.
0: Well, of course, the site is babylonb.com. I'm going to link to that as well as to the book you mentioned over at tomwoods.com/1461, our show notes page for today. And so if you haven't seen Babylon Bee, maybe you're not on Facebook or something, because it really is everywhere. Everybody is sharing their material. But if you haven't seen it, you'll definitely want to go to com and support them and check it out because it's it's just great. I mean, the headlines alone are just absolutely priceless. So. I know it's hard work and sometimes it's it's annoying dealing with fact checkers. And then you got to worry about what's this doing to your reputation among the powers that be at Facebook. It's annoying, but it's really, really worthwhile stuff that you're doing. And I'm glad you're doing it. And I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. All
0: right, folks, here's something uh, uplifting. Here is a podcast I can recommend to you that will maybe make you happy. Sometimes there's a lot of doom and gloom from our quarters. But there's a brand new podcast, My Corner of the Universe podcast. And the idea is it highlights people doing something significant, making a difference in their own communities and in the world. So the way they pitch it is uh, tune into these uplifting stories of incredible people changing the world by impacting their communities on a micro and macro level. From eight-year-olds who save frogs to wildfire restoration projects to people working to end human trafficking in their communities, subscribe to our podcast the My Corner of the Universe podcast and be inspired by those making a real boots on the ground difference in the world. So check that out at mycorneroftheuniverse.com. I'll link to that at tomwoods.com slash 1461. And remember, you want to start your own site or a podcast that has a site? Well, make sure you get your hosting for that site through me, through my link, and I'll promote you on my show, and I'll get you some traffic, and I'll get you membership in my bloggers group where we all help each other. Get the details on all those goodies at tomwoods.com slash publicity. I will see you tomorrow.
1: Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.